And we're living in the end times. And everybody wants to know what will happen. Last week we saw in Revelation chapter 6, verse 17, when the day of God's wrath has come on the earth, the great tribulation, and that means for us, we can't be here because we've not been appointed under wrath. I, I'm expecting to be with the crowd in the fifth chapter of Revelation singing, Worthy is the Lamb to take the scroll and loose the seals, for he was slain and has redeemed us by his blood. Hallelujah. What a, what a, a moment just to be around the throne of God. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying, everything's peaceful, everything's secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. I've never had pregnant labor pains, but I've lived with some. Wow. I, I, that didn't come out right. You know what I'm saying. Okay, don't, don't read into that what you want to read into it. Seriously, you too. I remember when our first, firstborn was coming, we were... We were young, I mean, 24, and, uh, and Christy wakes me up in the middle of the night. She says, I think my water broke. We didn't know what that was. We'd never had that experience yet. And we slept on a waterbed back then. I'm like, baby, we probably have a leak in the waterbed. We'll fix it in the morning. And, and I went back to sleep. And a couple of seconds later, she's nudging me. She's going, no, 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 really, really. There's, there's a puddle of water here. And it was like 4 in the morning. She called the doctor, and uh, he said, well, get here. We've got to deal with that. And when it comes, it comes. And when Jesus is coming, he's coming. And, and he says in verse 4, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you're all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. Just look at your neighbor and say, you don't belong to darkness and night. You're a child of the light. You're a child of God. And if you're not, you're going to be before you leave here this morning. So be on your guard, he says. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. Another translation says, be sober don't get drunk. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, sober, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. You need to be confident in what God has done in your life and what he's doing in your life. Don't let anything shake you. Some, some Christians are, are freaking out right now. They're, they're just going nuts. And I'm like, dude, be confident in what God has done in your life. Be confident in his salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. 
Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. I'm alive, I win. I'm dead, I win. I win. Hallelujah. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you already are doing. You need to have some encouraging words for those around you. You need to build up somebody, strengthen them. When they come to you with fear, say, no, 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 no fear. No fear. God's in charge. He's got all this in control. There's not a point, not a point in history where God's gone, I didn't know. What am I going to do now? No. He's on the throne. He even tricked the devil. He thought he won at the cross. The devil's like, <laughs> got him. And God's like, yeah, <laughs> about that. I'll see you in three days. <laughs> Come on. Revelation chapter 8, when the lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. Silence. In the midst of all the singing and worshiping and all the activity in and around the throne of God. I mean, one minute of silence is, is overwhelming. Why don't we just try that for a minute? That, that's not even quite a minute right there, and, and it's a little, little uh, weird, huh? We don't like silence. And, and silence, it's going to be, imagine 30 minutes of silence, about a half hour. It's going to be an awesome moment. And it, it's not because the sound man can't find the, the knobs. I always heard that. 30 minutes of silence is where the sound man can't get a hold of the board and can't figure it out. Or it's, it's the 30 minutes of silence when all the Bible prophecy teachers are changing their charts. Oh, that's, that's how it was supposed to be. Oh, I, didn't, I had no idea. No, it's, it's silence possibly because when the seventh seal is opened, possibly because of what is about to come. And there's this overwhelming moment. There's something about to happen with the, the trumpet judgments that are coming out of the seventh seal. They're, they're coming almost like a fireworks display, one after the other, and, and one goes up and, and the next one's already there. and all, all the, It's just boom, boom, boom. He says in verse 2, I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. 
And, and here we have this, this mixture of, of incense and prayer and, and the prayers that have been prayed. Have you ever prayed, how long, O Lord? How long will you continue to wait for judgment? How long will America get away with this? How long before judgment actually comes and, and, and puts people in their rightful place? And here we find there, there is coming a day when the wrath of God will finally be poured out in judgment for all the wickedness that has been done. And it's the prayers of the saints. And then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth. And thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. Possibly this, this is like what could be like an asteroid or a meteor coming out, out of the sky, it would seem. And, and those who are around still are, are going, oh, that's what that is. That's, that's a meteor's coming. We're going to get hit by an asteroid, you know. And, and uh, then the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blasts. The first angel blew his trumpet and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown down on the earth. One-third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned, and all the green grass was burned. Imagine what's happening in Redding, California right now, happening to one-third of the earth. I mean, this is going to be a day where you don't want to be here. I'm just telling you. You can hang on, hang on and get saved in the tribulation, but you don't really want to. Trust me. This is a, a time when God's wrath is being poured out. And then the second angel blew his trumpet, and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One-third of the water in the sea became blood. One-third of all things living in the sea died. And one-third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed, possibly by the tidal wave that that impact had created. Imagine the stench. Forget about all of that other stuff, but just imagine the smell. I mean, it'd be like living next to that place in West Grove. You ever gone through there? I mean, I, the, yeah, I mean, it's like, whoa, this is, this is disgusting. It's going to be worse than that. And some of you who live there, you, you're used to it. Like, really? How do you get used to this? I mean, we'll go visit some people who live there. We'll be like, whoa. And they're like, really? Does it smell? I, I didn't notice. I Okay, you've been here too long. <laughs> then the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from the sky, burning like a torch. It fell on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter water. And then the fourth angel blew his trumpet and one-third of the sun was struck and one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and they became dark, and one-third of the day was dark, and also one-third of the night, 
And then I looked and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air, terror, terror, terror to all who belong to this world because of what will happen when the last three angels blow their trumpets. He's like, you ain't seen nothing yet. This, this is bad, but it's getting worse. Revelation 9, then the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star that had fallen to earth from the sky and he, notice it says he, he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. And when he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace and the sunlight and air turned dark from the smoke. Uh, you've seen on, on uh, History Channel or if you were alive back when Mount St. Helens exploded and, and all that, and the, the soot, just, it just blackened everything and you couldn't see. The bottomless pit, um, this particular compartment of Hades is where God incarcerates demonic spirits. It's where the Antichrist has been locked up. It's where Satan will be incarcerated for a thousand years. It's where demons are presently locked up but are going to be released upon the earth during this period of time. It's a place where the demons will later be incarcerated. Remember when, when Jesus came to uh, Gadara and there was that man who was possessed by demons and he said, what's your name? And they said, Legion, because there are many of us. There were thousands of them. And, and they said, don't send us to the abyss. Don't send us to the bottomless pit before our time. We know that's where we're headed eventually, but don't send us there now. And Jesus was very kind at that moment, and he sent them into the pigs, and you know the story. And this star that had fallen is undoubtedly Satan, who at this point is given the key to the bottomless pit to unleash his fury, this next fury. He doesn't have the key. He was given the key. You notice that, right? As we were reading he was given the key, verse, uh, verse 1. He was given the key to the shaft. And then verse 3 says, Then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions. And they were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were told what to do and what not to do. Because once again, I'll remind you that God is on the throne and he's in control. And here we see this, this same kind of separation as in the Egyptian plagues, right? Where God said, Egypt's going to have these plagues and yet my people who are over here will be separated from that. It's not going to touch those who have the mark of God on their foreheads. Sorry. We're, we're okay over here. And so it's, it's that separation from the wicked and the godly. They were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a scorpion sting. And that's a pretty nasty sting. And in those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Imagine what torture. I mean, death, death's on vacation for five months. 
you want to die, but you can't. And you know, death, death is a blessing to the child of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I live, I win. I die, I win. I win. You may hear me say that a few times. Precious in the sight of God is the death of his saints because they're released from this human capacity and released into his presence and we're united with him forever. When my body can't house my spirit any longer and fulfill the functions for which God created it, I'm ready to take on my new body. As a child of God, my immortal body, not the one that creaks in the morning. I was, I was talking to a pastor. We were traveling on the road. I preached at a service, and he, and he, he said, uh, last week, it was Father's Day, and he said, I had all the men come down. They kneeled down, and we prayed for them. And, and he said, when they got up, it was like popcorn. <laughs> all their knees were popping. It's like, oh, yeah. Ain't going to have that anymore. We get a new body, an immortal body. But if you're not a child of God, you will suffer torment forever. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear where you want to be in all this. And let's say I'm wrong. Let's say the word of God is wrong, and I'm living for God now. And I get there, and I'm, I'm like, oh, I did all that for nothing. Okay, what did I miss out on? But if you're wrong, dude, seriously, you don't want to be in that crowd. And so... Here, death takes a break, and the torture is, is continual for five months. And, and now John is trying to describe something he's seeing. Imagine taking a prophet from the Bible and dropping him into World War II and having him describe tanks and, and jet fighter pilot things and bombs dropping and helicopters and all that, right? He would only be able to describe things with the language of his day. And so he's, it says here, the locusts looked like, verse 7, the locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like gold crowns on their heads, and their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like, like women's hair and teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore armor made of iron, and their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. They had tails that stung like scorpions. And for five months, they had the power to torment people. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, the destroyer. Who is this destroyer? Well, it's Satan. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief... Satan comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen. So when you choose to go God's way, you get life and life to the fullest extent possible. Here and now and in the life to come, the eternal life. We win. And, and let me just pause here for a moment and, and talk about this because I don't talk about this a lot, but here you find 
in John 10, 10, Scripture interpreting Scripture. Who's the destroyer? Well, we know from Scripture, Satan's the destroyer. Okay? So you always use Scripture to interpret Scripture. You don't just take one Scripture out of context and make your own little thing about it and go, wow, that's what it means. Not if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. That's why the whole counsel of the Word of God is so important. Verse 12, Revelation 9. The first terror is past, but look, two more terrors are coming. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice speaking from the four horns of the gold altar that stands in the presence of God. And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. So here you have four angels that are bound right now, and then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people on the earth. And I heard the size of their army, which was 200 million mounted troops. And in my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore, wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions, and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. And, and a lot of, I've heard a lot of Bible teaching on this. You know, everybody's like, China, it's China. They're the only ones that can put together an army that size of 200 million. And that's an interesting thought. But here, Scripture says the angels. And, and I, I looked up the, uh, the China war colors, and they're like yellow, red, and blue. Well, it's got to be China, right? No, it doesn't. I mean, the reality is we, we, don't, we don't even have 200 million horses on the planet. Not even close. Okay? Look it up. Google it. How many horses are on the planet? It ain't 200 million. It, okay. Sorry. Um, but we, we can start to conjecture about all these kind of things, but Scripture basically is telling us Here's an angel army coming, and they're going to kill one-third of the people on the planet. Verse 18, one-third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues. By the fire and smoke and burning sulfur that came from the mouths of the horses, their power was in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails had heads like snakes with the power to injure people. But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. Mind-boggling. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. And I remind you in Romans chapter 2, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's not the judgment of God that gets people's attention. It's his kindness. It's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. And he says in Romans 2.9, but because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, 
you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they've done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. And it's just like Landon said this morning, we have a choice, a chance. We, we, we've got a chance at this because of the cross, that what Jesus did on the cross. God has an offer out there for you to receive eternal life. But you can get all up in his face and go, no thanks, I don't want that. I'm going to do my own thing. He's like, okay. But you know what's coming later. It may not hit you now, but it's coming later. Wake up. It's God's kindness that leads you to repentance. Verse 8, but he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves. And this is why, uh, let me just toss this out here. This is why giving is so important. Quit living for yourself. God wants to get that greediness and me, listen, I don't know any mother or father who's ever taught their child the word mine. You don't have to teach it. Walk into the nursery. Watch a kid got a toy going, mine, 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 mine. Nobody taught them that word. It's inherent in us. And God's like, I want you to start giving. I want you to bring back the tithe, the tenth of what I've, I've blessed you with, so that you get your greedy little fingers off of your stuff. It's not your stuff. It's stuff I've blessed you with. But get your hand, your grip off of it. Let go of it so I can bless you so you can be a blessing. It's, it's the circle. You just keep giving out and he gives to you and you give out and he gives to you. We've got to quit living for ourselves. He will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. Amen. I may preach this morning. I'm not sure. Now, for a moment here, uh, beginning in Revelation 10, we leave the trumpet judgments after the sounding of the sixth and before we get into the seventh. And John gives us a little insight into the yet future event, the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth to claim that which he has purchased. Now remember, Jesus Christ paid the price of redemption. He redeemed the world so that it could be God's once again. Remember, we talked about this several weeks ago. It was originally God's by creation. God gave it to man. Man gave it to Satan in the garden. Jesus called Satan the prince of this world. Paul called Satan the god of this world. Satan offered the world to Jesus if only he would bow down and worship him. Jesus refused, and he purchased the world back by shedding his precious blood and by giving his life as a ransom for many. But he hasn't taken full possession of his purchase yet. Romans 8 tells us in verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. In Ephesians, it talks about the down payment of the Holy Spirit, bought and paid for. That's why he's given us his Holy Spirit. It's a down payment. 
because I'm coming back to redeem. I'm coming back. This is mine. I paid for it, and I'm coming back, and it's mine. You don't have a right to it. I put the down payment on it. Right? Right, Jim? Somebody comes and puts a down payment. That's their car. It's theirs. You can't sell it out from under them. They put some earnest money. It's a down payment. And the Holy Spirit is a down payment. We have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And we, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. Hallelujah. And we were given this hope when? When we were saved. That's when you get this hope. When you, you ask Jesus Christ to, to fill you and, and save you from your sin. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Hello. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Hey, we got some new life journals in this week. So if, if you need them, they're five bucks. They're on the uh, connection bar. Uh, we ran out for a while because y'all are buying a bunch of them. And that's good. But in, in my life journal reading uh, this Friday, once again, I'm amazed at, at God's word and, and, and how he just reiterates things and reminds you of stuff. In 2 Kings chapter 15, I'm, I'm reading about uh, all these kings that have died, right? And where they and all that, and then verse 12 says, This was exactly what the Lord spoke to Jehu. Your descendants will sit on Israel's throne for four generations. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> like, of course it is. Because when God says it, it's going to happen. He doesn't go back on his word. He said it, it's going to happen exactly the way he said it. You can bank on it. So, Wait patiently and confidently. Don't get all up in arms going, wait, wait, I don't know what, what's happening. Hey, he's coming and he's going to settle things. You just keep your nose clean. Keep living right. Right? Because he says here, uh, verse Romans 8, 8, uh, it's in there somewhere. I can't see it right now. Amen. Just keep doing it right. Okay, let me, let me, let's go back. Let's look at it. Sorry. Uh, Romans 2, verse 7. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God's offers. Don't give up, Okay. Keep going in the right direction. Don't get sidetracked and get all messed up. Get bogged down in this world. Yikes. So much junk can get you all bogged down. Enemy loves that. He just loves to bog you down. He loves to get you off track looking, looking at stuff that you, you don't need to be looking at. Focus, focus, focus. Revelation 10, then I saw another mighty angel 
coming down from heaven, surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face shone like the sun. His feet were like pillars of fire. And in his hand was a small scroll that had been opened. He stood with his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a great shout like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, the seven thunders answered. <laughs> this is none other than Jesus Christ. I mean, this prophetic shout, this roar of the Lord is prophesied about in Jeremiah and Hosea and Joel and Amos and 1 Thessalonians, the shout of the Lord. And, and when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, keep secret what the seven thunders said and do not write it down. We don't, we don't know what they said, but it must be amazing because when you keep a secret from your kids, it's always good, right? Like, don't tell them what's coming. And you know some of your kids you can't tell any secret to because they tell everybody. You know who they are in your family. Uh-huh. Don't be looking at them right now. <laughs> that's you. That's you. I know. And then the angel I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand toward heaven. He swore an oath in the name of the one who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and everything in them, the earth and everything in it, and the sea and everything in it. And he said, there will be no more delay. When the seventh angel blows his trumpet, God's mysterious plan will be fulfilled. It will happen just as he announced it to his servants, the prophets. And some say, well, this can't be Jesus because he's swearing an oath in the name of the one who lives forever and ever. Again, we're going to interpret Scripture with Scripture. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, there's that word again, Abraham received what was promised because God swore by himself because there was none greater to swear by. And here Jesus is swearing by himself. Amen. And, and if Jesus is swearing that this is coming, I mean, he didn't really need to swear that it's coming. But he is. He's like, on oath, I swear by God, this is coming. I don't know what that does to you. For those of us who are living with God and right, it should make us so bold and confident and secure and knowing that we're on the Lord's side and no, nothing can by any means harm us. It may take out our body. This ain't my body. It ain't going to live forever. I got a body coming later, and it looks really good. <laughs> this one, not so much. 
It's been decaying. It's groaning. There are moments when it groans really loud. And it's like, what? Ugh, again? You got to do that again? Really? You got to make me do it again? I'm like, yeah. Come on, baby. But there's coming a day. There's coming a day when everything he said is going to be fulfilled. Jesus swears it's going to happen. Then the voice, verse 8, Revelation 10, 8, the voice from heaven spoke to me again. Sometimes I wish I could hear the voice of the Lord like John hears in this moment. I can't ever tell you that I've actually heard the audible voice of the Lord, but I know his voice. He speaks in my spirit. He, he will speak to me in moments because I've attuned my ear to him. I've tried to tune out everything else so I can hear him solely. And, and as, as Paul talked about it in the New Testament, pray without ceasing. I, I try to spend my, my commute times talking to the Lord. I, I don't waste time with uh, the radio stuff and all that junk. Once in a while, if Christy's in the car, then we'll, we'll do some praise music and stuff. But most of the time, I'm, I'm just talking to God and listening. I'm trying to listen. Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? Help me hear you. I don't want to miss a thing. And there are moments when he speaks very clearly. And because I've spent enough time with him, I know it's his voice. Okay? Nobody has to tell me, hey, that's the Lord. I already know. I know it's when, when it's me. I know it's when it's the Lord. And I, and I know when it's the enemy, right? Because he's always bringing condemnation and guilt and shame. And you know that, right? Everybody knows that, right? If it's condemnation, that's not from God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You, you got to know that. And so you live condemnation free. And if you hear a voice of condemnation, you say, really? Seriously? Get out of here. Get behind me, Satan. Actually, get under me. Now, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. And some of us are living in sin, and God, by his Holy Spirit, convicts us. If, if you're living against the Word of God, that's conviction. And the Holy Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder going, Dude, wake up. Seriously, come on. I've been talking to you about this for years. Let's go. Let's get this right. Don't quit messing with this. All right. The voice from heaven spoke to me again. Go and take the open scroll from the hand of the angel who was standing on the sea and on the land. I just, I had this, this picture of, of Jesus in all his glory standing on the earth and on the land. Just like it's all mine. Mine, mine. Mine. Coming back to lay claim to what's mine. Not as a baby, not as a child, but as the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. 
mine. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the small scroll. Yes, take it and eat it, he said. It will be sweet as honey in your mouth, but it will turn sour in your stomach. So I took the small scroll from the hand of the angel and I ate it. It was sweet in my mouth, but when I swallowed it, it turned sour in my stomach. And then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. And after John ate the scroll, he was told to prophesy again. When, when God fills you with his plans and purposes, you must speak what he wants you to speak. It's sweet to know the book of Revelation and what God intends to do. But when we find out the judgment that's coming to those who reject Jesus around us, we can't rejoice in that. And the prophecy becomes bitter. And also many people begin the study of prophecy with enthusiasm, but when they find that it's applicable to them, to their life, that it makes demands on them personally. They lose interest and it becomes a bitter thing. And as I was reading this this week and, and trying to devour the Word of God, there are moments when you're like, yes, they're going to get what they're going to get. And yet it became very bitter in my stomach, very sour. I can't rejoice in that, the, the fact that anyone misses out on what God has for them. And yes, it's sweet in my mouth. It, it, it tastes good, and yet when you really digest it, it makes you sick, messes you up, messes your whole system up. Because you don't want anyone to have to deal with this. As I was riding to church this morning, this, this old song that, that I sang probably as a, a young boy in church just kept coming to my mind. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me and may I ever do my part to win that soul for thee it just kept ringing in my spirit I said, Lord, help us as we eat these words of the prophecy. Though they may taste sweet to us, Lord, make, make it sour in our stomach. May it be a bitter thing. May, may it turn sour in us saying, 
we've got to do more. We've got more people to reach. Who is it that God wants to put on your heart? Who is it that God wants to, to burn into your spirit that needs Jesus, that can't face this? There's a way out. There's an answer. Jesus Christ has the answer. And he wants to set them free from their sin. And may we somehow get inside our spirit the fact that we have the answer and Jesus Christ wants to set them free today. Lord, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to change in my life so that, that you shine brighter through me? I don't want to miss a moment. I don't want to miss an opportunity this week. I want to pay attention. I don't want to just go through life. I want to pay attention so I can recognize the moment. It might not be a coincidence. It might be a God incidence. It might not just be the fact that, that somebody came across my path this week. Maybe God brought them into my path for such a time as this. Maybe he's bringing to my remembrance somebody. I haven't thought about them in years. And all of a sudden, boom, they're there. So I begin to pray for them. Oh, God, send someone their way. If it's me, let me, let me reach out. Help me, Lord. And, and you begin to intercede for that person. Lord, send someone. Lord, wake them up. Wake them up to the error of their ways. God, do something in their heart and life. I just I want us to stand this morning. I believe God's going to speak to each and every one of us. If we'll listen. Well, listen, close your eyes. Forget that person on your right and left. Forget who's here, who's not here. Lord, send me. Send me, Lord. Even right now, some, somebody has come to your mind you just begin to intercede for them, begin to pray for them. Maybe they're here in this room this morning. Begin to pray. Pray that God will open their heart to receive of the truth, to receive of the freedom of Jesus. Begin to pray for them right now. Come on, intercede. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord, reach their heart. Draw them, Holy Spirit. Draw them, Holy Spirit. Draw them, Holy Spirit. Draw them, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we lift you up in this house today. We lift you up in this place. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into myself. So we lift you up, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, magnificent one, awesome, almighty God, praise you in this house today. We praise you. There's none like you in all the earth. None like you, Lord. We honor you. We glorify your name. We magnify you, Jesus. 
King of kings, Lord of lords, Holy One, awesome God, awesome God, awesome God, awesome God. Speak to our hearts right now. Speak to us, Lord. Lay some soul upon our heart and love that soul through us. Love that person through us, Lord. Love that person through us. Oh, God. Oh, God. Do something in our spirits today. Time is short. The day is drawing near. Time is short. Oh, God, wake us up. Wake us up. Wake us up to the lateness of the hour. Wake us up, Lord. Wake us up. Wake up your church, Lord. Wake up your church. Holy God. Holy God. Oh, we need you. Stir us, I pray. Stir us, I pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you've heard the word of God and you know what's coming and yet you say, you know what? I don't want to be a part of that. I want to make things right with Jesus. I want to be in on the crowd that's worshiping him around the throne. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. If that's you all over this room, I want you to just slip a hand up high right now. Yes, sir. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone else? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Awesome God. Awesome God. Awesome God. Awesome God. Anyone else? I don't want to miss anybody this morning before we pray. Raise it up high so I can see it. God's speaking to your heart today. He's wanting to change you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Before we move on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you raise your hand, or if you didn't, you want to pray this prayer with me, pray it out loud with your mouth. Let's pray together and ask Jesus to do what he needs to do in us. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now and I thank you for dying for me so I can live and have eternal life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for a brand new start. You said that if I declare with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, I will be saved. And I'm saved today. And I want to thank you for salvation. I love you, Jesus. Now throw both arms up in the air and begin to thank him right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Awesome God. Awesome God. Bless your name, Lord. Seal this moment in hearts and lives. Seal this moment, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we bless you, Lord. You're throwing a party in heaven.